Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we gather in anticipation for this season of Lent, as we begin to see ourselves metaphorically and literally in the footsteps of Jesus, we pray that you would fall upon us with your Holy Spirit, that you would draw us close to you, that you would meet us where we are at, Lord, and help us to walk, to learn to walk more step in step with you in all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our series for Lent, uh, the the Wednesday services after this one are going to focus a lot more on the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians. And uh, for us tonight, I'm kind of kicking off the series that will be a little bit on Wednesdays, but also be on the Sundays throughout the season of Lent. And this is a season called Walking in the Spirit. We're going to spend our Lent season together in a manual learning more about the Holy Spirit and the role that God wants to play in our lives to grow us and to build us up and to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ through the very real presence of him, himself, which is the Holy Spirit. So whether you know a little about the Holy Spirit or a lot about the Holy Spirit, this will be good for us to go through this together as a community of people uh, who love the Lord and want to do a really good job uh, returning that same grace, that same mercy to the people that we live with in our town. So I want to start with some quotes. Um, well, before I do that, I was, I was thinking before I came up here, there, there's a few main reasons, I think, why, why maybe as Christians we, we haven't learned a lot about the Holy Spirit sometimes, or why certain churches maybe steer clear of that. Um, my own reasoning uh, for not having grown up knowing much about the Holy Spirit is it just wasn't taught. I was pretty open and receptive, I think, to that. Um, but I grew up in a, in a Lutheran church that didn't focus on that very much. Um, I think another reason is that there are a lot of people in our world who have been hurt by people who are charismatic or Holy Spirit people, people who have looked down upon someone else because they don't have a certain gift or a certain set of gifts. Um, the spiritual gifts are meant to edify the body and to build us up, not meant to hurt. So if that's where you're at today, um, know that there's more, um, that we, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, we can still pursue these things, even if we've been hurt by people who pursue them in the past. And then I think the, maybe the biggest reason, and I struggle with this in my own life, Walking with the Spirit in all that I do means there might be a lot of my own desires and ideas that I am going to have to lay down. Um, And it's going to be inconvenient sometimes to follow God. It's going to be inconvenient uh, to lay down our own will, which in many cases, because we're not perfect, is going to be a little bit different or a lot different than what God really desires for us to have true life. So I think those are some main reasons um, if, if you fall in any of those categories, th- this is for you. But it's also for anybody who wants to pursue Christ with their lives. It's for anybody who's exploring Christianity to see, um, see what the very real presence of God in our lives is all about. So I want to start with some quotes because it seems like throughout history, there's, there's, there's constant revivals going on in pockets. 
People who haven't really been getting into the truth of God or living according to his spirit, stuff bubbles up. It bubbles up all over the place. So there's a lot of theologians, contemporary and historical, who have commented. Uh, This is a quote from Augustine. Without the Spirit, we can neither love God nor keep his commandments. That's not too different than what Luther said, and I'm going to end with Martin Luther's quote. Billy Graham said this, The Holy Spirit illuminates the minds of people, makes us yearn for God, and takes spiritual truth and makes it understandable to us. So the Holy Spirit is this, this aid, this role to, to help our finite minds comprehend the infinite. Francis Chan says this, The church becomes irrelevant when it becomes purely a human creation. We are not all we were made to be when everything in our lives and churches can be explained apart from the work and the presence of the Spirit of God. This was, this was a, a big one for me. This one kind of got my eyes open a little bit more. How much do we do as a church or as Christians that can be explained apart from the Spirit of God? Theologian named J.I. Packer says this, the Christian's life in all its aspects, intellectual and ethical, devotional and relational, upsurging in worship and outgoing in witness, is supernatural. Only the Spirit can initiate and sustain it. So apart from him, not only will there be no lively believers and no lively congregations, There will be no believers and no congregations at all. Our church, our very existence in the body of Christ, is subject to the Holy Spirit. A guy named John Wimber said this. He says, Power evangelism isn't about adding to the gospel or seeking to add power, but rather turning to the Holy Spirit in our evangelistic efforts and consciously cooperating with his anointing, gifting, and leading. And that's what we're talking about when we want to walk in the Spirit. We want to walk alongside what God is doing in our lives and in the world. We want to be attentive to what God is doing in our lives and in the world and in the people around us. And then finally, in our own Lutheran heritage, Martin Luther says this straight out of the small catechism. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified, and kept me in the true faith. So I think there are many ways that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit want to work in our lives today to bring true life. And any of that growth that's going to happen, we attribute to the Holy Spirit. I think walking in the Spirit means that we learn to look for, sense, and partner with the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our lives. This happens one day at a time, one piece of our life at a time. This is our salvation. This is our salvation being worked out. This is how we are sanctified. We fancy word for becoming more like Christ, becoming holy. And I think we often section off portions of our lives where we think we have it all figured out. Maybe that's who we are. We think, I'm this, I will always be this. Or the world is like this, it will always be like this. But if we're going to walk, with, walk in the Spirit in every aspect of our lives, all of that's fair game for God's grace and God's love, for God's wisdom, for God's truth to convict us, to change us, to grow us. So today I've picked four scriptures. We've looked at three of them, and we're going to recap those. But I think these scriptures begin to encompass what the Holy Spirit means to each one of us in our lives. 
If you want to, you don't have to, but if you want to pull out your pew Bibles, the blue Bibles in front of you, um, we're going to start with John 14, uh, the passage where the Spirit is promised by Jesus, and shortcut, page 1676 in the pew Bibles. So I'll give you a second to pull that out, and then I'll read it, and you can follow along. All right, Jesus says this, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Down to verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So this gives a good snapshot of where the Holy Spirit comes in. And this may, this may be one of the most important pieces. If, if you know a lot about God the Father and God the Son, Jesus, and you want your life to be one that follows Jesus, and that displays Jesus to the world, we realize here that this counselor, as Jesus refers to, the Holy Spirit, is meant to fill our lives. He says it will be in you. And this is the plan and will of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit isn't some byproduct of our faith. It's not a footnote. I know the Holy Spirit doesn't get talked a lot, about a lot in the the Apostles' Creed. It's just kind of mentioned, one line. We get a paragraph for Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit is Jesus' plan for us, for his church, for his people. It means being a follower of Jesus Christ means that we are filled in the Spirit. The Spirit is working in us and through us to carry out this good news, this gospel that God has for us. It's part of the salvation that comes through the cross. And it's planned, it is a planned thing for all believers. And I don't think it's an optional thing for all believers. Why? Because Jesus, by whom we have forgiveness and grace, does not wish our life to be just academic, but he wants it to be experiential. He doesn't want us to just know about God or know about what Jesus did. There are lots of people that know that. But through the Holy Spirit, we have more. We have the presence of God dwelling in us and through us. We experience God's love. We don't just have to hear about it. We get to feel it. We experience God's power and God's leading. We don't just have to guess. So his disciples were called not just to watch. They didn't just sit on the sidelines and watch everything that he did, but Jesus actually had his disciples do the same things that he did. He sent them out to heal. He sent them out to teach. He sent them out to proclaim the coming of the kingdom of God. And he did so with the same power and authority that he himself ministered with. If his disciples were able to cast out a demon, it was because of the power of the Holy Spirit with them. If they were able to proclaim the gospel so that people's hearts would, would turn and repent, it was because of the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts, we see Pentecost, the story of the Spirit being poured out kind of universally on the followers of Jesus Christ for the first time, where God's love and power becomes tangible in and through the body of Christ, the church. So thousands of churches and Christian communities over the last 2,000 years have been inspired by these words from Jesus. They've been inspired by Jesus' own ability to model what it looks like to live walking in the Spirit. 
They've been inspired by Acts' proclamation of truth at Pentecost and the witness of hundreds of people, thousands of people coming to experience the very real presence of God in their lives. These churches have been inspired to be spirit-led, spirit-filled, both as individuals and as a community, as a body of Christ. And it seems that every generation has some sort of revival like that. Uh, if any of you were in the proximity to the upper Midwest in the 60s and 70s, a whole lot of Lutherans had an awakening to the working of the Holy Spirit. There are entire church groups and organizations today that exist because the Holy Spirit moved powerfully through Lutheran churches in the upper Midwest. Um, the seminary that I went to was a byproduct of one of those things, and I'm very grateful for that. So what do we gather from this scripture? This first reading from John. Walking in the Spirit means that we embrace the very real and sometimes tangible presence of Jesus in our lives. Jesus is alive, and his Spirit is alive in our lives. Walking in the Spirit is walking with Jesus. And it's in no less real of a way than what his 12 disciples experienced firsthand. What we experience is not lesser than Jesus' 12 disciples. It looks a little different, but it is the same Jesus. It is the same Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working in and through our lives. So the next scripture, uh, this is going to be the other gospel reading from John, chapter 3, and that's page 1649 in your pew Bibles. And this reminds us that it is the Spirit working the grace in our lives. Again and again, we so often think that we can somehow be good or righteous on our own. Um, if we learn one thing from scriptures, it's that the Holy Spirit does that in us. It is God's grace that saves us and it transforms us. So John 3, 1 through 8, the story of Nicodemus. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the, mir the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So the third chapter of the Gospel of John, and he gets right down to it. Born-again language isn't often embraced wholeheartedly in the Lutheran Church. I understand that. Um, it often points to some dramatic conversion experience, which not all of us have in our faith journey. I, I grew up knowing Jesus Christ. I don't have one particular thing that I can pin down, but I have tons of little things, tons of little ways that God has grown me and given me a testimony. But Jesus is using born-again language, and I think it's safe for us to use it in this context. This is an imagery that we can learn from. Because being born of the Spirit is what makes us born again. There's no Christian, there's no Christian Christianity born again without the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the linchpin of God's saving work in humanity. 
Remember Luther's quote I had up earlier? He believed that through study of Scripture and his own experience and his own salvation and any other human salvation is by the power of the Holy Spirit, not his own works. The Spirit saves through faith. The Spirit changes something in our lives and in our hearts so that we can know Christ, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can experience grace. We cannot save ourselves. So if we profess and we aim to follow Christ, that means that the Holy Spirit has already done some work in our lives, right? Instilled faith in us. And now, God doesn't leave us at the point of having faith. He continues to transform us and lead us and grow us. So what do we gather from this scripture? What's a good summary? Walking in the Spirit means walking in new birth. It takes our whole lives to work out what that means to see our own sinful nature slowly or sometimes quickly transformed into life. It means walking in this new birth. The next scripture I want to look at is 1 Corinthians 12. And this is the Spirit giving gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, 1785 in the Pew Bibles. I'm going to go ahead and start reading that. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So these gifts, if you know anything about different Christian circles, can often be a point of disagreement. And I think we can be honest about that. I know people who uh, believe, or maybe they don't believe this, they act like the gifts are the only thing that are important. That somehow we are saved for the experience of the gifts. But that sells short a whole lot of scriptures, right? And then there's camps of Christianity that believe that the supernatural gifts have died out in the church. That with the early apostles... They died out, that they were just for the purpose of getting things rolling. Um, and I don't think that that's what Scripture tells us either. If you were to go to a place, let's say the Lutheran Church in Tanzania, or the Lutheran Church in Ethiopia, you want to see spiritual gifts in action. The church there is flourishing. It is flourishing, and these spiritual gifts are part of it. It's part of their daily ministry. When they, when they teach somebody to walk in the ways of Christ, they teach somebody to be aware of these things and to learn how to use them appropriately. So a healthy understanding of Scripture is one, I think, that embraces two things. It's the expectancy of the gifts being real and present today. We see that evidence in the church throughout the world. As well, on the other hand, is the greater wisdom of God which allows us to handle and seek these gifts in a way that is healthy, right? In a way that's responsible and godly. Meaning that as we pursue these spiritual gifts in our lives and as a church, uh, we use them in a way that's uplifting. 
We use them in a way that's life-giving to the body, that's edifying, and that's consistent with scriptures. So even a good gift like this, like a spiritual gift, can be abused. And that's why so many people have been hurt or, or injured or put down by Christians who are well-meaning. So, how can we summarize this scripture? What can we take away? Walking in the Spirit means that we believe God to be powerful and present and capable of working miracles in and through his people at any time in any place. That's a big part of walking in the Spirit. I think God wants to be supernaturally involved in this world and in our lives. And if we have faith in the first place, he's already evidenced that in our own lives. And he wants to do more. Finally, a a verse we didn't read earlier. The Spirit brings true freedom. And I'll read this for you quick. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Aren't there so many things that we need to be freed from in our lives? It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what is in your past, what is in your future. There's just a lot that we need to be freed from. There's a lot that our loved ones need to be freed from. If you've ever had a conversation with somebody who has experienced miraculous physical healing, or if you've ever had a conversation with somebody who is just completely awed by God's loving grace in their lives, it becomes real. It transforms them. That person exudes freedom. The freedom almost drips from them. You can't be in the same room as somebody who has experienced that and not notice a difference. And that's what Jesus has for all of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not just for a select few, but for all of us in Christ. And I hope that we can all, if you haven't met somebody like that, I hope that you can. And I hope that that can become to be part of our story as Emmanuel Lutheran Church as we minister to this community. What if we were known as like the most free people (laughs) that were walking the streets in this town and in this area and in Roland and in Ames because we experience God's love and Holy Spirit on a whole new level? I think that's a holy dream to have. I think that's something that God desires from his people. He wants us to experience the tremendous love and freedom that he has. What can we gather from this scripture? Walking in the Spirit means that we have a strong passion for freedom, for ourselves and for other people who are not experiencing that freedom. Freedom from bondage, freedom from addiction, freedom from disease, freedom from poverty, freedom from sin, freedom from idols, freedom from spiritual death, and sometimes even physical death. There's a whole lot of freedom to be had through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And my prayer is that we can all experience that in some way. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that's what life in Christ is supposed to be about. 
We are no longer shackled to our sin. And although we live in this in-between time where Jesus has paid for our sins, he is resurrected from the dead, we have the Holy Spirit, but it's not done yet, right? There's still brokenness. There's still sin. I believe our lives, our journeys, where the Holy Spirit wants to work in us and work in us and work in us to bring life, to bring freedom, to bring transformation. So I encourage you this Lent season as we focus on this, I encourage you to be open to God working in you in these ways. We have the capability of closing off parts of our lives and our hearts from God, and we do that very often. None of us are exempt from that. But I encourage you to be open to that. I encourage you to ask for a deeper experience and awareness of what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life and around you. And I invite you to pursue God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this way, in a healthy way that's uplifting to your families, to your own faith walk, to the body of Christ, and in a way that's consistent with the Holy Scriptures. I think God has incredible things in store for us at Emmanuel. Not just today, not just tomorrow, but my prayers for generations to come. And it'll be because the Spirit is working in us, not because we somehow pulled it off on our own. Those things will come as a result of the power and the love that we get to experience today as the body of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, there is so much to you that we do not know. There is so much of your nature that we have yet to experience. Lord, our hearts are open. Lord, we desire to know you in an incredible, intimate way. Lord, we pray that you would show us your spirit, show us your love, your joy, your peace. Show us this freedom that you have, whether we experienced that when we got up this morning or not. Lord, we know that there is always more life. There is always more love. There is always more freedom as we grow in you and as we grow as the body of Christ. This is our prayer, Lord, that we can do just that. So we ask you, Lord, to fill our lives and our hearts and our minds, every ounce of our being, with your loving spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.